You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning, church. Hope you guys are doing well today. What an exciting day that we have uh, in store for us. Today is Generosity Sunday, and I'm excited uh, to see how the Lord is going to move our church in the days ahead. If you're new to FC or maybe you haven't been here, maybe this is your first time here, this is a great day to be here because you're going to witness our church family really rallying around the mission and vision uh, that God has given to our church. And we're going to give today. We're going to make commitments today. And so it will be a, a good thing for you to hear and a good thing for you to experience. And so for those of you that have been here, you know over the last few weeks that we've been talking about uh, our invest initiative to buy property, which we've done, and to build an auditorium, which we are about to do. And so side note here, next Sunday, if you are single and you want to get married one day, uh, we're about to jump into an awesome series for you. And if you are married, uh, we're going to have an awesome series for you as well. And so uh, this is uh, starting next Sunday. As for me and my house, so invite some folks, get geared up for uh, marriage and family. I'm pumped and excited uh, to to start that next Sunday. Uh, But if you've been here, you know that we've been in this series called Let's Go. It really came out of a focus group where we, I, I asked a ton of questions to some people in all walks of our church and, and uh, we were really talking about the auditorium and the growth barriers that we're experiencing as a church and how to bust those. And, and out of that, uh, they said, you know what, Trent, do another series where you talk about invest so that all the new people can get on board with the vision, have an opportunity to give like we've given and have an opportunity to make commitments like we've made. And so uh, that's where we have been over the last four weeks. And so this is something we've asked you to pray about, asked you to think about. And, and really as a church, um, we've been here before. I mean, we have done this before. When we first bought this building, um, you know, 130 people said, yes, let's buy it. And they made commitments and they gave. And, um, but here, here's the reality. A year and a half ago, we did the same thing. Uh, but today, there's something different about our church because like never before, I, th- I feel like we have more potential now than we ever have had in the past. We have more momentum today than we ever have had in our past. And I believe that the next seven years, um, because we're seven years old, the next seven years are going to be the greatest years ahead of us. And so uh, what we do today is going to be a testimony to that. And, and as we dive into this, I do want to say thank you to all the people that have been giving over the last several years. I mean, uh, when we first started Invest, many of you gave on that Generosity Sunday. You made commitments, and it's because of your gifts that we were able to buy the property. It's, it's because of your gifts that we were able to hire architects and, and our contractor to come up with the plan over the last year. Um, if you are new, this is not something that we just decided to do this, this month. Uh, over a year ago, we decided to do this. We've been working on this for a long time. Uh, we truly hope that our auditorium will begin this summer, which will put us in the building uh, about a year from now, about 12 months from um, now. And so uh, what, what is our issue here? I mean, why would we do this? And so to recap some of the things we've talked about, I felt like it was important to do that. And so some of our growth barriers in our church are simply some simple things like parking. And so some of you had a hard time parking. Some of you are parking in the grass. And, and that's a tension that we can't solve right now. It's a tension that we're managing. And, and so um, as we continue to grow, there are more cars. And, and uh, that's just part of our growth problem. And so um, to resolve that problem in our plan, we have a lot more parking. We have a second exit onto the the highway that we're still praying the state allows us to do. So keep praying for that. Um, Also, we have 
kid space issues. And so our kids are worshiping over there and it's not the ideal situation. It's a great space, but this space is gonna be even better for them and greater and we're gonna be able to make it better over the next uh, few years. Um, but we need to get out of this room so that they can have this, this space in here and, and uh, remodel this space for them. And, and also um, our space in here is is crowded, and so we're in three services, which isn't ideal for our volunteers. And so, uh, we want to resolve some of those growth barriers. But even more importantly for us, we want to open up seats for people that aren't here yet, people in our community that haven't received Christ, that haven't been changed by His power. We want them to come here. We want them to experience Jesus. And so, we feel like this auditorium will resolve that tension and that problem for them as well. And so, this is where we're at. We feel like managing the three services and all the tensions over the next year is doable uh, to, to, to do that one more year. And uh, as, as we're building and then when we move in there, kids come in here, opens up all kinds of space. Cafe space becomes kids space. Space over there uh, remains kids space, just uh, divided up differently. And so, um, so many great things will position us to reach more people for the gospel. And so for that, we are excited. And so again, I want to recap what it's going to look like. And so guys, if you will show that clip a few things more about the auditorium, uh, you'll see that it's going to be beautiful. A lot of glass in the front to make the lobby area really open and bright. We wanted to create an environment that was warm and welcoming, a place where people would just want to come and hang out. If you go to Maryville College, this will be a place that you'll want to come and do homework. Um, this is an, uh, just a, a place where on Sunday mornings we'll continue to have a cafe. You'll be able to eat um, more more stuff on the menu, by the way. Uh, excited about that. Baptistry in the lobby uh, because we want that to uh, be more relational so that people can be close and around us when we're, uh, our family members are getting baptized. The inside is a 1,200 seat auditorium, state of the art. I'm telling you, it will be the best facility in Knoxville, bar none. I'm not just saying Maryville because uh, that's not too hard, but what I'm saying is, I don't mean to sound arrogant, but um, it's going to be incredible. And so everything that we're giving is going towards an incredible space, not just for you and me, but for all those kids that are over there uh, learning about Jesus today. Um, for those kids who one day will be old like us, and um, they're going to be uh, bringing their families here, reaching this community. As this community continues to grow, it's still going. Uh, it's, there's so much to see. Uh, so... Um, just keep that perspective in mind. And so if you've got your Bibles, let's go to the Old Testament. We're going to go to 1 Chronicles. And so um, go to Genesis. It's the first one. And then few, a, a few books to the right, and you'll find it. And I, I know that's not a book that ever, you, know, you often read, but I'm telling you, if you've never read First and Second Chronicles, start it today. It is incredible. What an epic, epic story and saga. And, and what you'll learn will blow you away. Uh, we're going to read the last chapter because um, David was... Um, towards the end of his career. This is King David, David and Goliath. David, um, he's the king and he wants to build a temple for God. Up until this point, they have been in a mobile church, essentially. It's been a, a tent that they set up and they've moved and that's where the presence of God was for them and that's where they went to worship God. But David wanted a permanent place. And so he wanted to build this, but God said, no, David, you're not going to build it. I've chosen your son, Solomon, to build it. And so um, Solomon is the one that ends up building the temple, but David begins to prepare for the temple. And so he begins to collect all kinds of resources, lumber, metal, all these kinds of things to, you know, make nails and, and chains and all these different things to be able to erect this incredible structure, this temple for God. And one of the last things that he does before he dies is he challenges the people to 
take up an offering for this temple. And he himself um, leads the way by giving the largest amount of money anyone has ever given on record in the history of the world. Let's read verse 1, chapter 29. And David, the king, said to all the assembly, Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen. So again, God has chosen him, just like God chooses specific churches and specific leaders and different communities of believers to bless and to do incredible things with. This is not something that that is haphazard or by accident. God has chosen Foothills Church. The evidence of his choosing is all around us. The babies that are dedicated today, the people that are accepting Christ, the marriages that are transforming, this is evidence of his grace and of his work and his hand upon us. And so his hand has chosen Solomon. But it says he is young and inexperienced and the work is great. For the palace will not be for man, but for the Lord God. Now, remember, David had this right. He said, this this structure is, is not for man. This is for God. And this is important for us. This auditorium is not for you and me. It's not so that we can say, man, look what we built or look how cool. That's not the point. The point is that we are building this for God and his work and his mission, for God to use David had this correct. Verse two, he says, so I have provided for the house of my God. So he himself is saying, I am providing to make this a reality. So far as I was able, the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, bronze for the things of bronze, and iron for the things of iron, and wood for the things of wood, besides great quantities of onyx and stones for settings, antimony, colored stones, all sorts of precious stones and marble. He's saying all these things that, are, that, that I have, I'm gonna give to make this place an incredible, amazing, awesome temple. Verse three, moreover, in addition to all that I have provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own of gold and silver and because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God. So take note of that. His devotion, his commitment to God and for God and what God uh, wanted him to do and what he knew God was going to do through this temple is his motivation. And so he's devoted to this. And because of his devotion, he says, I give. Verse 4, here's what he gave. 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver, for overlaying the walls of the house and for all the work to be done by craftsmen, gold for the things of gold, silver for the things of silver, who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself today to the Lord. Now, what's, what's amazing about this story is, is that many commentators believe that what we just read equated $21 billion worth of resources. It's the largest gift ever given in recorded history. And David is saying, by example, this is what I'm giving. This is how devoted and dedicating to this project I am. He leads the way here. And then he asks the question, who then will offer willingly? In other words, who else is gonna give? Who else is gonna join me? Who else is going to go with me? Who else is going to you know, receive the blessings with, uh, from God with me? And he says consecrating himself. In other words, committing or devoting yourself to the Lord. It's a great question. Verse 6, then the leaders 
of fathers' houses made their free will offering. And so then the leaders of the community said, okay, yeah, we'll give. So David gave first, then the leaders said, yep, we're gonna give. And very specifically, it says a free will offering. In other words, they gave willingly, now not out of obligation, but willingly. It's a free, free will offering, it says, as did also the leaders of the tribes, commanders of thousands of hundreds of officers over the king's work. They gave for the service of the house of God. 5,000 talents, 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord. And the care of Jehiel, the Gershonite, that's a mouthful, verse 9, then the people rejoiced. They were excited. They were happy. They rejoiced because they had given willingly. If you've ever given begrudgingly, you didn't rejoice if you've ever had to pay a ticket, you didn't rejoice, did you? You were, shouldn't they get people who really are, you know, breaking the law, you know, and your, your mom, because that's not a free will offering. You know, they, they're taking that, right, because you broke the law. But a free will offering, something that you are giving out of the joy of your heart is, is something that you enjoy doing. And look at, look at verse 9, let's read it again. The people rejoiced because they had given willingly, for with a whole heart, they had offered freely to the Lord. David, the king, also rejoiced greatly. So they are giving willingly. They are rejoicing because they are giving with their whole heart. Now, it's recorded what they actually gave. We're not going to print a sheet. I'm not going to post it on my blog this week, what you commit, okay? Okay. We're not going to publicize that because the amount is not what we want to celebrate. What we want to celebrate is the fact that our church is giving and participating wholeheartedly. So when we walk out of this room today, we've given our offerings, we've made our commitments. My prayer has been, God, help us to be found faithful that we are giving wholeheartedly, that we're serving wholeheartedly, and that we're not just doing it halfway or we're not just giving leftovers because we want to put him first in our life and we want to make him a priority. So today I want to talk to you about the why behind giving. Um, I could talk to you why, you know, why it's important and how to motivate you and I could try to motivate you. But what I've come to learn over the years is that I can't motivate people to do that. I, I, that that's something that, that God does in your own heart and you respond to him. So what I decided to do today is to talk to you about why I give why I do what I do here, why I give to FC, why I serve here at FC. And by, by doing that, also looking at this passage of scripture and making uh, several observations. So let's continue. Look at verse 10. David says this, it's this prayer, essentially, as they gave, he, he prays and he says, therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord, and the God, uh, the God of Israel, our father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, O our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I? What is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? Listen to this. For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. 
For we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no abiding. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. And the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all things. And now I've seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. Grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart that he may keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, performing all that he may build the palace for which I have made provision. This is a beautiful picture of of what it means to follow and trust the Lord. And and I want to make some some comparisons here today and and, and by, by sharing why I give. And the first reason why I give is one word, worship. I give because it's an act of worship. When I read uh, verses 10 through 13, uh, all I see is worship. Let's remember the God that we are here to serve today. He is the God of all. He's the God of Israel, our faith. He is the Lord. He is great. The power and the glory and the victory and the majesty of of, of heaven and earth belong to him. He's creator God. And, and, And we were created to worship him. We were created to serve him. And our journey in this life and in this world is to pursue him and to follow him and to trust him. And by his grace, we're here today. And so I give because it's an act of worship. Every time I give, every time I serve, it's an act of worship to my God. In verse 12, notice it says that God is the owner and the giver of all wealth. David says, everything that I'm giving to you already belongs to you. It's out of what you've given to us that we give to you. Now, if you're a parent, this makes sense to you because you've given your kids, you know, money and they act like it's theirs. You've bought them toys, you've bought them stuff and they act like it's theirs. Um, I was reminded of this a couple of years ago when we did a garage sale, we were getting rid of some stuff, you know, and we were selling stuff and my son noticed that money was changing hands and, 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 and money is like his love language. And so he saw what was happening. So he goes to his closet and he starts collecting all of his stuff and he starts bringing it down and throwing it you know, in the driveway. And he's like, dad, I'm gonna sell this for, for $20 and I'm gonna do this. And I'm like, well, you know, son, that whatever you sell is going to this guy right here, right? Because all of this stuff right here belongs to me. No, it's not, Dad. That's mine. No, 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 no. I bought you the Xbox, right? So, so the games that I bought you, that, that's my game. And so we had that, that conversation, you know. And so, so I let him keep some of it, but the majority of it, Dad got, right? And because it's my stuff. And so when we look to God as the owner, then we can begin to realize that everything that we have is his, And we're just a simple manager of what he's given to us. And then it's not so difficult to give back to him what already belongs to him. And I begin to look at it as if, oh, he lets me keep this amount. And so I'm just giving 10, 11, 12%. Okay, thanks for letting me keep the rest, God, and spend it on frivolous things like the internet and (laughs) like, you know, Cocoa puffs and, and, and things like that, you know, right? And so, so it all belongs to 
the Lord. And so that helps us understand it in a little uh, bit different light. In verse 14, all things come from you, and of your own we have given. So worship is the first reason why I give. The second reason I give is obedience. I don't give and serve out of obligation. I give because the one who has saved me calls me to give and to serve. And so I live my life to walk in obedience with him. By his grace, he allows me to be obedient. In verse three, he says, because of my devotion, I give to the house of God. If you have no devotion to God, chances are you're not prepared to give today. Chances are you're not concerned with with building an auditorium for doing the things of God today. But if you are concerned, if, if you are devoted, if you are trying to walk in obedience, then you've at least prayed about it and considered it. In, in verse 19, he's praying about his son Solomon and he prays that Solomon would keep the commandments of God. He wants his son to be obedient as well. So listen, here's the reality. As David is obedient, he models it to his kids and he says, this is what, what I'm doing, Solomon. I pray that you will follow my example and walk in obedience as well. So as we give and as we serve, we're teaching our children to walk in obedience. We're teaching our kids to serve as well. And I don't do this out of obligation, you know. I love the Word of God, but I don't read the Word of God because God obligates me to read it. I read the Word of God because it is, it, it is medicine for my soul. I crave the Word of God. I, I read it, I try to read it every day. And if there's a day that I miss, my, my, my soul just longs for it. And I, and I just crave it because I, I love the word of God and I don't do it out of obligation. I do it because I, I, I love to do it. And he speaks to me and I, I learn and I grow and it feeds my soul. You know, I, I preach not because I'm obligated to by you, even though it's part of my job. I, I preach because I want to walk in obedience to what God has called me to do. And when I preach the word of God, I I don't change my theology based on what's accepted or not accepted in our culture. Based on laws that are passed or not passed, I, I still preach the word of God to the best of my ability by his grace. And, and, and some days that might mean that you walk in and you hear a message and you're like, amen, bro, that was, that was tight. I like that one. And the next week might be a passage that kind of hits home. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What about that one? You know, let's go back to last week. See, I don't write sermons and preach sermons for you, even though I hope you're blessed by them. Every week, this is an act of worship between me and my Savior. And so I, I write sermons for him that would honor and glorify him. And if it offends you, if it's his word and it offends you, unfortunately, I don't have to care about that, right? I, I have one master that I'm trying to please and serve. And so, so my heart and soul goes into what does the text say and how can I reveal it to my people in such a way that the Spirit of God quickens their heart and draws them closer to Him. God, give me ideas. God, God help me to be faithful to your word. And so every week, that's what I go through. And, 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 and I don't do that because I'm required to do that. I do that by, required by you, even though you should, and I know you do require that, I do it because God has called me to do it. I don't serve here because I have to be here. I don't have to be here. You don't have to be here. I'm here because I feel like God wants me here. And by the way, I love it here. I love 
being here on Sunday mornings. I love being around God's people. I love this city. I love coming to work on Monday morning. I'm not here because God has obligated me to be here. I'm, I'm here because I love God's people in this place. And I go on vacation and we're, we're away, maybe miss a Sunday here, but, but I wanna go to church in that city because I, I genuinely love it. And so I wanna walk in obedience. I, I don't do this because I have to. And so I give because I want to, and because I know I want to surrender my life to the one who has saved me. And, and I wanna walk faithfully with him. The third reason why I give is, is mission. The mission for David was to build an auto, a, a temple. Now today, this is not a temple, okay? This is a room with walls. This is not even the house of God, you know? Th- this is a, a building um, post the cross. The Spirit of God lives within us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit now, okay? So a little theology lesson here, not the house of God, um, this is the house of God. And so when we gather, we have the presence of God with us. And, and so we invite a spirit to move amongst us here. And, 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 and so we're not building a temple. We're building an auditorium. Matter of fact, don't even call it a sanctuary because it's not a sanctuary, right? It's, an, it's a room, a very cool room. It's an awesome room. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The room is a, a means to an end. The mission for us is to make disciples. The mission for David was to build a temple where physically the presence of God was going to rest. And the Holy of Holies, the presence of God was there. So it's different. Our goal here is to make disciples. That's what we're called to do post the cross, right? And so the, the, the best way and means for us to move forward in doing that is to build an auditorium. And by doing that, opening up seats and allowing more people to come and hear the gospel and experience his truth in his word. And so when I say I give because of the mission, I, I do because I know it's working. I give because I know what's happening here is missional work. Like God is growing people. He's saving people. This past Wednesday, nine teenagers accepted Christ. It's amazing. You realize there are churches around here that go all year without seeing nine people except Jesus. And we see it on a regular basis. This is the grace of God. So when I see this, I know when I give, it's working. I think our process to make disciples, it's called the journey, is a simple process for you to get involved in. I wanna encourage you to join it. I think it positions you to experience the presence and power of God in your life. I think it is working. I, I get letters, I get um, emails of how people are changing. So when I give, it's, it's not like I'm begrudgingly giving. I'm, my attitude and what I hope your attitude is, look at what we get to do. Look at what we get to experience. Look at the people that are coming. Look at the, the lives that are being transformed. And so my, I, I'm just thankful that God allows me to, to give. Um, if, when people take time to write me cards and like share their story, a lot of times I'll keep it because it helps me on bad days, but it's also great to share. And so I was going through some this week and I came across this one that had been given to me um, um, a couple of years ago, but it really paints the picture of, of, of why I give. This is motivation for me. Like it's working. God's working here. So this one, I won't use their names, but this woman uh, writes to me about her husband and she says, it's, it's that time of year to take notice of all our many blessings. And, and I've always, I've been very grateful for um, um, our counting and, 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 and 
basically counting, she wrote in cursive some, <laughs> um, our, our counting God's blessings is what she meant in, in my family, in my home. However, she says, this year I have something to be thankful for even more. Something I had serious doubts about that I would ever see. My husband came to Christ. After 10 long years of praying, the arguing about the church, his complete lack of hope and faith, this year on Mother's Day, he came to church as a gift for my mother. Mother's Day is next Sunday, by the way. <laughs> Little plug there. Um, <clears throat> you gave a sermon. She's talking to me. You gave a sermon that had my husband gripping his seat. <laughs> When you gave the call, he was the first one there. My entire world changed in that moment. My marriage was really alone. I was so tired of carrying the faith for the family. I was planning to leave at the end of the year. She was planning to walk away and divorce him at the end of the year. My husband simply wasn't present in the marriage anymore. I was so tired of praying for him. He just seemed to slip further and further away from me. So there, there's probably some people in the room that are like relating to this woman right now. You've prayed and prayed and prayed, and you're like, it's not changing. You know, it's like, I, I'm, I'm, you're so tired. It's like, man, I'm tired of praying for this knucklehead. But she said, on Mother's Day, it came. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, joy comes in the morning. Ooh, good reflexes. But God never said how long the night would, would last. I love that line. But he promises us joy. My husband is completely different. He's a better father, son, and boss. Leaving isn't even a thought anymore. Every morning I wake up anxious to see how God works in my husband's life and our marriage. We had beaten incredible, incredibly high odds in our marriage. And God's grace and mercy was given to my husband and gave him a second chance at life. And it goes on to say some other things, but so when I give, it's easy. It's easy. God's, God's working here. So I know when I give, God, God's blessing it and using it. Now I get it. Maybe you were in another place and you gave and you didn't see it working and you're like, man, why are we, why are we giving? You know, but here, man, God is here. And so it's easy for me to give. The mission is a reality. Number four is joy. At verse 17, look at that again. In verse 17, he says, I have seen your people offering freely and joyously. And then again in verse 22, he says, with great gladness, people were giving. And so there is joy, and it truly is a, a joy for me to give. Again, my attitude, I hope your attitude is look what we get to do. I, I, I get to be a part of what God is doing here. Um, I'll, I'll never forget, my grandmother grew up on a farm and didn't have much growing up, but they had land, right? And so they had, they had like over 100 acres, you know, in Columbus. And so they had all kinds of animals and whatnot. Well, as she got further on in her life, my grandfather had died and she wasn't doing so well. She sold the farm and made a lot of money. Right, And so she would bless my parents with it. And one Christmas, um, we were opening up our Christmas gifts and grandma would always send us a box, right? And so we, we didn't know it was in the box, you know, it was kind of like, 
you know, that Christmas movie. We didn't know if it was going to be cat food in there, a real cat. We didn't know what, you know, jello. I mean, we would open it up and it would be literally like a pillow from like 1930. And we're like, thanks, Grandma, I needed this pillow. It smells, but thank you. And so knitted socks for like baby dolls. It was just always fun, right? You never knew what was going to be in the box. And so one year we opened up the box and it was just like cards. And so we thought, oh, okay, cards. Well, um, we, we, we get these cards, we open up, and it's a card from Grandma telling us how much she loves us and, and telling us how much that, you know, she cares about us. And there was a check in there from Grandma. Now listen, Grandma had never given me a dime. Like, she'd never given me money. She'd given me, you know, you know, all kinds of gifts for, you know, things that I never used and laughed about later, but she had never given me money, like not even a quarter. And so when I opened this up and I saw a check, I was blown away. And the amount was blown away. Grandma had decided that she was going to bless all of her grandchildren, like 20 grandchildren. And, and she gave us all $1,000. And so I was in seminary and broke as a joke. I mean, I had no money. My wife was supporting me. You know, we, we had nothing. And so when I saw that, $1,000 is a lot of money to me even today. And so when she gave me that I freaked out. I stood up like I had won the NBA championship and I was like, yeah, you know, and my, my nieces and nephews, we were high-fiving and chest bumping and my, my sisters and my brothers, we were high-fiving and screaming and, and laughing and, and it was like the greatest thing because it just had never happened before and this was a lot of money. And so my mom goes in and she grabs the phone and she calls my grandmother and she holds the phone up to let grandma hear everything that, that we were going through. And we weren't really close to grandma. We didn't really see her a lot. She lived so far away and, and uh, we, just, we just weren't really that tight. And, and, and so she heard that. And, and so <clears throat> mom, mom put on speakerphone and she was like, hey, we just wanted you to know, we opened up the gift. We're so thankful that you gave uh, to us for Christmas. And grandma responded in, you know, just an elderly grandma voice, you know, and she just said, that's the greatest sound I've ever heard in my life. And literally, I think it was. <laughs> I think what she was experiencing was a joy in giving that maybe she had missed, but she got that day. Because I'm telling you, we were freaking out. That's when chest bumping and jumping up in the air, I remember hurting my hip. That was, that was just getting popular back then, you know. And so we were running and jumping and hitting each other. And so we were being silly because we like to have fun, but but grandma got a little something that day that she had never received. And that was the, the joy that comes in giving. Now listen, when you give to your kids and they're thankful, it warms your heart, right? When you give to your kids and they are, they are you know, spoiled or it's not enough, what do you want to do other than smack them, right? Like you want to discipline them, right? And so, so that doesn't bring joy to your, your heart. But when you give and you see the, the, the Lord working through it and you see lives transforming and you see joy in people's lives, that warms your heart. And that's what you see here. And so when I read stories and when I see people accepting Christ and getting baptized and I hear testimonies, that's why we always do a, 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 a video before somebody gets baptized because, man, I want you to be blessed. I want them to bless us with their story of how God has changed them. So it's a great joy for us to experience this. And then fifthly, uh, Jesus. 
<laughs> I know it's a Sunday school answer, but, but like I give because of Jesus. Like one day I'm going to see him. I'm going to meet him face to, face to face. And I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I gave you a church and you used your influence well, man. You know, I gave you these abilities. Some of you are athletes. Some of you are, you know, really smart. And, and, and I gave you these abilities and, and you used them and you leveraged them for God's kingdom. You didn't just use them for your, your selfish gain, but you use them for the kingdom of God. It reminds me of Matthew 25. Jesus tells a, a parable. We call it the parable of talents. And Jesus gave one guy five talents, one guy two, and one guy one. And the guy with one talent went and buried it. And he brought the one talent back and he says, hey, I'm bringing you your talent back. And, and the master says, depart from me, you wicked servant. Or there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. He was, he was found unfaithful. But the guy with two went and he doubled it. He brought two more back. The guy with five went and doubled it. He brought 10 back. And so the two that doubled it, the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few. Now I will entrust to you even greater things. And so the, the, the point of the parable is that God has given you abilities. He's blessed you financially. He's blessed you with, with whatever, whatever gifts he's given to you. Are you leveraging them and using them for God's kingdom? That's how we will be found faithful. And so I know I'm going to meet him. And I want him to know that I, I, I want that day to be a day where he, he says, good job, Trent. Man, you led the church well. You preached well. So that's why I give. Let me close with how I give. Because I don't show up on Sunday mornings and I don't show up and say, I'm gonna look at my wallet and see what's in there. Usually nothing. Um, but I don't, I don't look at that and, and give whatever's in there. Um, number one, here's how I give. I plan to give. It's a plan. It's a strategic plan that I've prayed about and I've thought about. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7 says, Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So, in other words, he says, I want you to decide in your heart what to give. In other words, think about it. It ought to be a thoughtful gift. So, that's why we started talking about this four weeks ago, so that you guys would begin to prepare and think about it. And, and, and ask God, God, what do you want us to give? And, and, and it ought to be thoughtful. It now, spontaneous gifts can be good from time to time when you just feel like the, you know, God is prompting you to do something, but, but that's not really what this is. I'm not going to show you a, you know, a sad, sappy video with kids who are poor and homeless eating rice with flies in their eyes today and say, give so that these kids can have clear eyes. I, I'm not going to do that. We're not going to make it an emotional day and sing a sappy song to warm everybody's heart. We're going to say, you're adults. We want to walk in obedience Pray about it. Think about it. Should be a plan. Should be thoughtful. The second uh, way that I give is is it's a percentage. It's a percentage gift. And so I want to want to again clarify if you missed last week that what we're asking you to do with invest is a is a gift that's over and above what a normal percentage gift is. So a percentage gift is something that's commanded in Scripture that we need to give on a regular basis. But this for invest to to, to be able to do this. And it's over that. It's what I would call a grace gift. It's a grace giver. And so, again, it's something that we think about, we pray about, and, and, and willingly, we joyfully give um, how God wants us to give. Now, research has, has, is teaching us that in America, the, the most generous people and the people that give the most money away are people that make less than $100,000. Because statistically speaking, 
when you, if you make more than $100,000, um, the more your income increases, the less you give away. And you would think it would be opposite, but that's just not the reality. And so, you know, what I think that we see in, in scripture is very clearly that, that when we give, we wanna give willingly, but it ought to also be a percentage. In 1 Corinthians 16, it says, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. So in keeping with your income, you decide what that sum of money is gonna be. Now, I, I, would, I would teach and I have teach and will continue to teach that I think that starting place is 10%, but it's definitely not the stopping place. And so that's where this grace giving will come into play. And, 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 and so for us, we, we give 10%, but we give more than that to invest in, in things um, of that nature. We, we give to other things as well. I mean, you know, we, we look for ways to give. It, it really blessed us to be able to give to James and Anna um, a few weeks ago. They're adopting a child from China, and so very expensive. And, and so we, we knew they were kind of in need, and so we gave to them and had a huge hug and just kind of, you know, bonded over that. Why? Because it's a joy to give and, and a way for me to bless. And so it blesses them, it blesses me. And so this is over and above that. And, and so finally, how I give is I give joyfully. I give a percentage. I, I plan it out because I have an eternal perspective. An eternal perspective. Jesus says in Matthew 6, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, the reality is we've got to have an eternal perspective. If you're going to give today, it's because you do. It's because you know one day you're going to meet the Lord and, and you want to be found faithful and Anything that we store up here on this earth will be destroyed, but the things that we take with us into eternity are the fruits of our eternal investment, the service that we do for the Lord, the, the, the money that we give for the Lord. All of these things are accruing for us in heaven. And listen, it's, it's not the amount that I think Jesus does back, backflips for in heaven if he does that. I'm not saying that's biblical. That's just maybe. But... What he's excited about is our wholeheartedness. Are, are we wholeheartedly giving or are we just giving scraps? I think as we give, people hear the gospel, lives are transformed, and that's why we're here at this, at this time. I think today's a big day in the life of our church, and I, I hope that you're ready to give. If you have your cards, would you go ahead and take those out? If you didn't get a card um, and you need a card, just slip up your hand. I think we've got some guys in the back that will bring you a card. There's a couple up here. <clears throat> Where's our rant? Hey, Taylor or Nick, would you guys grab those? And There's Tay. Thank you, guys. Would you guys hand out those cards at those hands that were just raised? Would you throw them back up real quick? Because they didn't see you. I kind of caught them off guard. Some of you guys have these ready, and that's awesome. Some of you already have the card. Go ahead and begin to fill that out. Um, we're going to um, pray. I'm going to ask God's blessing upon this. And, and as I pray, you can finish filling that out, thinking through it. Um, but also... How we're going to respond today is, is just as a church, we're going, to, we're going to worship and sing, stand, and 
song that they're going to sing is a blessing. It's going to be encouraging to you, I know. Um, but when I finish my prayer, my invitation for you is to stand up and come forward and to give in one of these four giving stations here at the front, just as an act of service to God and, and like a vis- visible commitment to Him. You may want to pray at your seat and come forward, um, but we're going to do this um, walking around. And there's a lot of people in here, uh, but I think we can figure it out. And uh, we're going to continue to sing and, and close out the day. So um, as you guys finish the cards, let me begin to see God in prayer.